wow, thank you for taking a moment to listen to the Nova Church podcast. Our goal is to create a place where anybody can encounter God. If you want to share your story with us about how Nova Church has helped you in any way, or if you want to support the ministry financially so we can keep sharing messages like this one, please donate at novachurch.tv. Thank you once again for spending a few minutes with us. Our prayers that you will be encouraged and inspired by today's podcast. You have your Bibles this morning? You have your Bibles? Are you with me? I, uh, I'd like you to turn to the book of Luke. I'm going to read two passages before we go to Luke, but if you could go to Luke, I'm going to be pretty uh, teachy this morning. And um, I told Troy, I said, bro, you just lead worship, do what you do, and whatever time amount I have left, um, I got. So it is 10.50. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sun stand still. We can do this. Luke chapter 9. When you're there, say I'm there. If you're not there, say hold on. Hold on. Lord, thank you that the wind stopped. How many of you guys encountered the wind last night? No? Just my house? Maybe the Holy Spirit filled my house and not yours? There was fire on my head, not yours? It's all good? Cheesy Christian jokes work every time. But it's good. How many of you are now at Luke 9? You're there. You're there. If you're there, say I'm there. Okay, I'm going to read two portions of Scripture, and then I'm going to read, and then we will go to Luke chapter 9, and my job today is to teach you um, what we're called to do, our job description as believers. My title of today's message is Living Love. Living Love. You ready? So we're going to go um, to 1 John. I'm going to read off the screen because I have Luke in my Bible. 1 John chapter 4, just read on the screen with me. I know I told you, Luke, please don't be offended. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. Now, the two passages I'm going to share with you right now are the theological outline or bedrock of our belief as believers when it comes to love. So when people say, what do you believe about love? These are the verses that we say. Uh, Verse 8, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Next verse, this is real love, just like the song. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Someone say amen. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. How many say that's me? Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought into full expression in us. Now, I'm going to read a passage from Romans 
and Romans, um, the first half of Romans, not first half, but the first chunk of Romans, um, is a lot of our theological doctrine. If you want to know what Christianity is all about, read the book of Romans a hundred times and you'll be ready. But theologians believe that at chapter 12, uh, Paul, the writer of this book, takes a turn and talks about how we can apply that doctrine we now know. Because we know as believers, it's not good enough just to know doctrine, we have to apply doctrine. Are you with me? So Romans chapter 12, this is how we apply love. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. I can't wait to preach this. Verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, easier said than done. Verse 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. I want to talk about living love. Living love. How many are with me? Put your hand in the air if you're with me for this. Okay, I'm going to pray, and we'll see what happens in 15 minutes. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for your grace. Lord, I pray your power uh, would be here. Lord, if there's anyone here today who is sick or, you know, might be irritated or frustrated, I pray right now for encouragement. I pray right now for grace. Lord, I pray the Bible says you are the lifter of our heads. So, Father, today we pursue you. We pursue God. We pursue Jesus. Lord, we just open our hearts up today to hear your word in Jesus' name. And everybody said? So let's talk marriage really quick. Uh, when I got married, my wife is sitting on the front row, just so you know, so you know that I'm telling the truth. Uh, we, we got married on a Friday, and we left our honeymoon on a Sunday morning. Early on a Sunday morning, we skipped church to go on a honeymoon, which is, felt awesome, to be honest, because I never got to skip church growing up. Uh, so skipping church to me is like, I'm a rebel. So we go on vac- we, we vacation, we go on our honeymoon, and we come back, and, and I'm a grown man now, right? I got an apartment, one-bedroom apartment, got a wife, and uh, we are having, or we are sleeping, excuse me, in our first night at home, in our bed, we're, we're trying to move into our apartment, right? And, and uh, we have kind of our first disagreement, okay? Now, you can judge me all you want, but there's just a way that I am, there's a style that I sleep, and marriage, cut the soap. I like to sleep with a fan and music and cold air. You hear what I'm saying? Like, I need me some Phillips, Craig, and Dean, and Carmen to put me to sleep to scare the demons away so I can go to bed, right? Like, that just is the way it is. I don't, I don't listen to them. But, uh, I, and, and my wife was like, turn it off. I'm like, turn you off? Like, what are you saying to me? Like, this is my, this is how I've lived life for like 22 years. Like, what's going to happen? So, you know, we compromised and I turned the music off 
and, and closed all the windows and turned the heat up to a million degrees. And I'm laying there. She's asleep. She's the cutest snore in the world. But she's asleep. And I'm laying there, and I'm just, just be honest, you can judge me, but I got angry because I, to be, I didn't sleep for the first month of marriage, okay? One, my brain is like, there's a girl in your bed. You're like, hello. <laughs> now, for some of y'all, that's like, yeah, duh, but for me, that was like lottery. So, is what it is, and she's hot, so it's a win. Uh, so, for, for me, I was just angry, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Marriage is hard, right? Like, marriage is difficult. And I was like, I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if, I mean, we're like eight days into it. And, I'm, and I can hear my dad like, way to go, slugger. You know, like, made it eight days. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, been, it's been quite the journey. But I say that to say this, and you married people, you can help me out a little bit. But sometimes marriage is tough. And if we're just being honest today, relationships in general are tough, right? So if we were to talk about Christianity, um, it, in essence, it is a collection of relationships. Relationship with God, relationship with other believers, and relationship with non-believers, and I would say that um, something that we're all going to have to be thinking about in the next month is the church we're going to go to. And I, I bet you the biggest weight on your mind will not be the preacher, won't be the worship, won't even be the kids' ministry. It'll be relationship. Right? Will I have connection the way I had connection? relationship for you and for me, we have to live in a certain way now that we are believers. And if you're new today, you're not a believer, this is a great time to learn about how Christians should live and that we're all in a process to try and be this way. Amen? That we should learn to live a lifestyle of love. And we see Jesus in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 is a busy chapter. To me, Luke chapter 9 would be uh, like a snapshot of a week of following Jesus. He starts the chapter with laying hands on them, empowering them, sending them out to heal people. He feeds 5,000. And then we see um, four scenes. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I am anointed. So, we see four scenes um, that, that give us how to live love. And I want to move through these four scenes in um, the book of Luke in chapter 9 to, that show us how we are supposed to do what Romans says and what First John says. Because if we're being honest with each other, when we know we have an enemy, what do we want to do? Squish them. Right? You might be like, punch them. To me, I just want to squish them. Okay? Or sit on them. Right? Take that. So, my kids are in trouble because I'll just sit on them. Like, stop it. Boom. So, how many of you are in Luke chapter 9? You with me? Okay, so I want to move through a series of scenes 
that enable us to see that God was who Jesus was dealing with. Now, um, Jesus hand-selected 12 teenagers. We believe one of them was over the age of 20, which was Peter. So essentially 11 teenagers. He has a little youth ministry of 12 teenage boys. And he goes through a series of events, a series of very raw social encounters that they have with Jesus that are teaching them. Now, to give a little context, we have to understand the first verse of chapter 10, if you read it, it says that God adds 72. Jesus adds 72. So it goes from 12 disciples to 72. I find it interesting that he, he gives them these principles and these lifestyle tips for living before he brings the addition. Right? So, so what, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, we are all going to be an addition to a different community in a matter of months, weeks, years. Right? I want to show you how to navigate those waters without getting bitter. Amen? Because Jesus, that's what he did for us, okay? So I'm going to read with you a few scenarios. Luke chapter 9, scene 1. Luke chapter 9, verse 46 through 48. We have this on the screen. Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this one on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. So what we experienced is Jesus goes on this mountain and takes three disciples, not 12, three. He then creates a kind of illusion that three are better than nine. And he goes up onto this mountain, and there's this Old Testament feeling weird moment called the transfiguration, where he just, boom, just like glowed, and Moses comes down, and Elijah comes down, and it's this big dramatic scene. They come down from, and by the way, while he's up there, the disciples couldn't heal a demonic boy. So he's up on the mountain, has this big encounter. Only three disciples uh, are there to see it. They come back down. These are teenage boys. Let's give them some credit. They're asking themselves, how come you got to go up and I didn't? I think that they would get to the point of, well, I have more Instagram followers than you. Right? That's why we have social media to check how many people like us. Right? It's like, anyway. So, they're, they're arguing and they're negotiating who's better. Well, you got to go up and I didn't. So that means you're better than me. And they're having this argument of who's the best. And Jesus says, hey, he brings a child to them and says, uh, whichever one of you can be like this child, that's the greatest. End of scene one, on to scene number two. Scene two is Luke 9, 49 through 50. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons. But we told them, or we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. And Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. So now we have John, the beloved, right? And he's, he's mad at somebody 
for doing something he is supposed to be doing in the name of the person he's following, goes to Jesus and says, hey, uh, this guy is using your name for his ministry. And Jesus is like, that's what you're doing. If he's not against you, it means he's for you. That's a pretty big statement for God to make. That is Jesus saying to us through his spirit today, 2016, October 16th, that we need to assume that the world is for us unless they have told us they're against us. Imagine how that would change your world. Imagine how drama-free your world would be if you just assumed people were on your side until they proved to you they were on your side. Crazy. On the third scene, actually, let me stay, let me stay there. We, we are, in this season, we're, we're transitioning Nova Church to a City Bible Church microsite. I'm getting a lot of questions about this, so I just want to bring some clarity to it. What does Trent think? I think that the microsite is a great transition step. Why? It allows you to ask real questions. I don't think it's a 20, 30, four-decade plan for your spiritual growth. I don't. I think it is great to gather to think out loud, to ask people, leaders that you trust, about other groups. I am a lover of other groups. This church loves other churches. I love other pastors. If you think that Trent Maestral is the only qualified leader that you have to listen to, one, that's weird, Two, that's saying that God isn't enough because I'm not enough. So I am suggesting when we get to September 30th, I would like to see you just so I can hug you and, and tell you goodbye on that day or October 30th. But on November 6th, I want you to go again and start asking and saying other churches' names out loud without feeling bad about it. If God didn't want that church to exist, it wouldn't exist, right? So my, my suggestion is just be, just be wise. Just be smart. There are other good pastors in this city that are way better than me, and they're older, and they have kids, right? Because that's what you have to be to be a pastor, okay? So it just is what it is. Okay, so, so we, we have to, we don't have a choice. If we want to become better in this season, we don't have a choice. If we want to become bitter in this season, you have a choice. So don't be ashamed. I'm not scared if you say another church's name. Well, what will Trent think? Trent thinks that you're going to want to spiritually grow. What does every pastor want? for his flock, spiritual growth. God is leading you from green pasture to green pasture. This is a sign of, of growth. This is not a sign of retreat. This is not a sign of we failed. This is a sign of God is leading. He is the shepherd, not me. And the Bible says he will lead you to a green pasture by still waters. I didn't even plan to preach this, and I can't because I only have seven minutes. But 
my encouragement today, turn up your prayer a little bit more. And don't be ashamed or scared or afraid to say another church's name because Nova Church is not the answer for the world. Jesus is the answer for the world. And he has a lot of chosen men, women, and ministries to do that. God does not change cities by churches. He changes cities by relationship. So the only way we lose, let me tell you how we lose. How you lose and how I lose in this season is if I get mad at you for going to another church that I don't like. That's the only way we lose. But if we keep relationship, we win. We win. Why? Because the city is reached through relationship, not through Sunday morning microphones and screens and speakers. You with me? So we need to love other groups. Scene three, Luke chapter nine, verse 41 through 56. This one is hilarious. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus uh, resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead of a, to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John, sons of thunder, saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went on to another village. So he says, hey, we're going to go to, Samarit to, to the Samaritan village. And the reason why that was a no-no was because they were a hybrid belief system. They believed half of this and half of that. They didn't really grow. Uh, just weird people. You guys know like those weird people? Jesus says, we're going to them. And we're going to help them. And so send two messengers. I think Jesus knew this. Um, so he sends two messengers. They come back. Hey, they don't like you. So we have a plan. Jesus is like, great. What's your plan? We're going to kill them. In your name, you know? And, and, and some of your Bibles might say that Jesus rebuked them, and, and your, your Bible might say that he, Jesus said, you don't even know what spirit possesses you right now. Or you don't even know where your attitude comes from right now. So what do we do with people who don't believe what we believe, who don't like what we like, who don't worship Jesus, because we worship Jesus, because after all, I'm right, you're wrong. So how do we live love with that situation? So then we have scene four, scene four. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. And Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. So what's happening? Because Jesus has gone all farming and foxes and hens and holes on us. And we're like, what? Everyone's like, that's poetic. It's beautiful. No, it's not. It's confusing. 
Like no one posts, you don't walk into a Christian home and they have that verse on the wall, right? Like that is not, my house will be called a house of prayer verse. Like no one, the people are like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's poetic. No, it's not. It's horrible, actually. Foxes have holes. Farming. Plowing. Right? What is... What is happening? Jesus, who's like the lover of the world, lover of humanity, he came to save the world. He came to serve the world. These people are like, we want to follow you. Hey, I need to go bury my father. That's a reasonable excuse to be four hours late. Hey, let me, let, let, let me, uh, I got to go say goodbye to my family. Oh, Jesus, you are mean. He just... It's his family. It's God-ordained. You set the family. You make it happen. Jesus, you're having a bad day today. What is he saying to us? What I believe in these four really raw social moments As Jesus followers, what is he saying to you? What is he saying to me? I think these are the keys to living love. Scene one, I believe Jesus is saying, love people. Love people. He's saying, he comes down from the mountain and they're arguing, who's the best? Who's the greatest? When you're comparing with people or contending with people, Um, You're not loving people. It's just saying, Jesus is coming down and saying, hey, quit arguing who's the greatest. Be like a child. Our love needs to be like a child. How fast does a child forgive? How fast does a child forget? They forgive and they forget so easily, we shelter them, don't we? They'll listen to anybody. They'll follow anybody, right? That's why we set boundaries and layers of boundaries around them to protect them because they're so easy to forgive and they're so easy to forget. I wonder if our love, if our living out this love life is dependent upon you being able to forgive and forget. This is a Jesus kind of love. This is a Holy Spirit kind of love. And what we just read is that we possess this love, right, because God first loved us. I don't have that in me to do that. I don't have it. Yes, you do. Why? Because Jesus is in your heart. It's not you that's doing the forgiving and the forgetting. It's Jesus through you doing the forgetting and the forgetting, forgiving and forgetting. And it allows you to move forward. Because if we just use mental capacity to remember, I wonder how many things we miss out that that mental capacity was supposed to be used to embrace in our own mind. Scene two is love other groups. Love other groups. Hey, Jesus, this guy from another church uh, is using your name to sing these songs. Actually, we sing that song, but we're a better church. We sing that song better than them. And so Sydney's a better worship leader, and Juicy's a very guitar player, so they sang it wrong. Jesus, uh, 
they're doing it wrong. That pastor, that leader, I know how they do their finances. I know how they do their leadership structure. I know Jesus, they're wrong. Jesus says, hold the phone. If you want to live love, you have to learn to love other groups. I wonder if we draw lines that we'll get to heaven and we'll go, wait, you're on the other side of the line I drew. I wonder if we die, if we die, when we die, we get to heaven and people who we said they were wrong in their ministry philosophy, people who we said were wrong in how they organized and structured their life or lack thereof, and they are in the same presence we are after death. I wonder if we can live love now and take those lines away and experience a little bit of heaven on earth. I wonder. I wonder if the limitation of heaven coming to earth isn't heaven isn't powerful enough, but we aren't open enough to what God and the Holy Spirit would do through you and through me. Scene three, this is a fun one. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Y'all are lucky we don't got like 20 minutes because I could go. But you got to learn to love people who don't love you. You have to learn to love people. They go, hey, we're going to Samarit- the Samaritan village, and um, Jesus, they don't believe in you, so guess what? We're going to kill them in your name. Jesus is like, whoa, whoa. If they, like, they are still being pursued by me, let's not forget that. Because there was once a day you were an enemy of God as well. You weren't for him, but he assumed you were, just like we're supposed to do with the world. So if someone, unless someone says to your face, I am against you, you need to assume that they're for you. And you need to assume that they like you. You'll be shocked at how many people out there have the ability to forgive and forget, and we as the ones who were being hated upon can't be free from that. And so we put people in these categories, haters, betrayers, liars, gossipers. But at the same time, Jesus puts them in the category of redeemed. So we have to live this kind of love. If we want to become better in this season and not bitter, we have to learn to love each other, love other people, love other groups, love our enemies. And then we get these three weird scenes. They're not poetic. They're not cute. They're weird. Foxes, farmers, funerals, Fs. So, What is he saying? To me, in the succession of these three stories, this is Jesus screaming through these verses, do it now. Do it now. Hey, I I need to go uh, have a funeral for my family. Jesus says, love now. You need to love your family now. This is not about following a teacher geographically in proximity. This is about a lifestyle, a culture, a spirit that can flow from you. You can farm and do this now. You can go to a funeral and have the spirit flow through you now. You need to do it now. You need to love your enemies 
today. Now. Well, I'll do it when I feel like it. How's that working in other areas of our lives? I'll save money when I make a ton of money and I can just erase all the debt at once. Not going to happen. Oh, I'll start my new diet on Monday when I feel like it. New week, new year, new me, right? Like, you'll never feel like loving your enemy, just to be honest. And you're never going to feel like loving people who don't believe what you believe. And let's just face it. You're not going to feel like loving people who are sitting in this room with you today. Is this too, too real? or, Man, I can't wait for this guy to get out of here. He's rude. But this is the kind of love the world needs. This is the kind of love that your family and your friends and your, CEO, your CEO, your coworkers, your supervisors, your bosses, they need to see this. What's going to get them saved and into heaven is not hearing Trent. It's seeing you love your enemies, loving people, and loving people who don't believe what you believe. And choosing to do that now. Tomorrow you'll have another now opportunity. And the next day you'll have another now opportunity. You'll get to go. Either A, I can sit here with my emotions and my drama and my pain. Or I can cut it off and say, now I'm choosing to love. I'm going to be like a child. And I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to forget. And I'm going to go on smiling and giggling and living life. Because that's what we're called to do. That's who you and me are supposed to be. We're supposed to be living love. Amen? I'm going to read Romans chapter 12 one more time just to seal this all up. Romans chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. That could be a tattoo. Verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Amen? You with me? How many of you can say, I can live love? Can I pray for you? I'm going to pray. And then uh, next week will be my last sermon in this room. A little emotional. I'm going to preach about the number one most important word in the Bible. The number one most important word in the Bible. And it's um, something that I came across uh, at a younger age. And as soon as I caught this, everything in life fell in order. And uh, my prayer is that the same will happen to you. Not saying your life is out of order. Don't be offended. But I'm just saying that this will help you. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray you would equip us to live love. Lord, we have the word to stand on. We have the tools to apply. Now, Jesus, Holy Spirit, it's your turn. Help us do this. Help us become better and not bitter. Help us to move and advance and gain momentum in this season. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Love you guys. We'll see you next week.